you have the chance to win a Spring Super Sweeps from LAist. Donate $60 for one entry to win a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Check out all the other prizes too when you donate now at LAist.com sweeps. Start your Saturday with something that will grow your kiddos' brains and get their creative juices flowing. Join us at LAS in Pasadena for a morning of multilingual readings, interactive performances, and lots of kid fun. It's Super Fun Saturday on June 1st. Get your tickets at LAS.com slash events. LAS Studios. As a Korean-American person who grew up in L.A., I had, like, a very complicated relationship with K-pop, and I wasn't always loud and proud about my love for it. When K-pop exploded, I was like, how is this music that I only listened to with other Korean people growing up, how is it now being embraced by, like, the rest of the world? I don't understand how this happened. From L.A. Studios, this is How to L.A., I'm Brian De Los Santos. I'm Vivian Yoon, the writer and host of K-Pop Dreaming. And today, we're exploring K-Con. It's a lot of screaming. It's a lot of like spontaneous dancing. There's so many fans, so many crowds, so many vendors, booths, people dressed up, people dressed down, like me. Anytime like a recognizable song comes on, You'll see fans all over the place just like busting out the same choreo. Everybody knows the drill. It's like very organic flash mobs in a way. And we're not just here at KCON with Vivian because of her cool podcast. She was invited here to lead a panel on how K-pop, K-drama, all things K have affected Hollywood. K-pop has always been connected to Los Angeles from the very beginning when it started in the 90s. Unfortunately, that panel got canceled due to the storm last weekend but we're still going to be diving into all those juicy details together so we can get a sense of what KCON really means for LA. People come from all over the country and sometimes even from other countries to express their love and share their love for like Korean culture. So first things first, Vivian, tell me the story of how KCON was started here in California. Yeah, so CJ E&M, which is part of the giant CJ conglomerate in South Korea, they're the ones behind like Parasite, for example, the Oscar-winning movie. Back in 2012, they decided to have the first ever KCON as a way to try and bring K-pop idols to the burgeoning Korean fandom here in the U.S. They had no idea how it was going to go, and they decided to do it at this amphitheater in Irvine, California. Everybody went into it thinking, is anybody going to show up? Once the day came, there were so many people lined up outside of the amphitheater. Security told KCON organizers, you have to let people in early. And they were still inside setting up, but it was a fire hazard. Like, that's how popular it was from the very beginning. So KCON has always been a huge, huge success, and it's only continued to grow ever since. And now KCON isn't just in L.A., it's worldwide. You have KCON New York or KCON Tokyo. K-pop, K-drama have been embraced by so many different people all over the world. You know, we, we started with 10,000 attendees here 11 years ago. Now we're expecting more than 100,000 people over three days here. All right. 
So you know on How to LA, we accept nothing but the best and love exclusives. So we're continuing our KCON tour with the head of KCON himself. My name is Steve Chung. I'm the CEO of CJENM America. I grew up in Arcadia locally here. If you told me 30 years ago how big Korean content K-pop was going to be, I'd probably say, you're crazy. But look at where we are now. It's wild. I'd love to help walk you around and show you what the all hoopla is all about. I'm so down. So excited. All right, let's go. Let's go. Okay, so what exactly happens at a K-Con? Let's start there. This is my first K-Con, by the way. Two things I really wanted to see was the fans, because everyone talks about them. Vivian, you know, in her podcast, she talked to people who were like diverse, like this a grandma who's black and brought her granddaughter, and it was like super cute story. But then I also want to check out the skincare booths, like the reason why I'm here, to be honest. Korean skincare, I mean, we are, well, I would say, one of the world's best. But if you actually come down and see for yourself, you'd be amazed at what kind of diversity is represented. Black, brown, Chinese, Japanese, Filipino. I mean, you'd be hard-pressed to find Koreans here in KCON. Coming down the escalator now, the first floor of the main convention are booths and stages for fans to dance and interact with each other. Wow. Wait, is someone like, is that an artist right there? Basically, we're in the middle of KCON right now. You're, you're hearing all of the excitement happening. We've got KCON stage where a lot of our K-pop stars come out. Also, emerging K-pop stars. We want to make sure that the next wave and the next generation of K-pop stars are being groomed here. And let me take a second to describe the crowd here. People are dressed up. People are in cosplay, they have sparkly makeup, really cool wigs, it was super cute. So I chose a couple of my favorite outfits from the crowd and asked them about their experiences so far. How about this girl right here? Hi, we're doing a podcast about KCON. Can I ask you two quick questions? Sure. What's your name, first of all? My name is Noi. Noi, nice to meet you. I'm Brian. Is this your first KCON? It is my first KCON. Oh my god, and what do you think? Are you excited? I'm really excited. This is so much cooler than I expected it to be. So far the concert has been the best part, but I really like the KCON stage and being able to see the artists up close. Like, that's super cool. Thank you. What's your name, by the way? Lauren. Lauren? I'm Brian. Nice to meet you. Is this your first time, second time, third time? Second time, but my first time at the convention. I only went to the concert last year, actually. Oh. Yeah, so this is much bigger for me this time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's cool so far? Uh, just kind of seeing the diversity of everything, the food, the shopping, and I like seeing people dressed up, too, and interacting with other fans, especially from other, like, fandoms. And you brought your outfit, your beautiful red coat. I'm dressed as Felix from the music video Top Line. So he has like this giant red coat, red pants. So I just wanted to kind of like encapsulate that. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Okay, the tour continues. There's this thing called Dream Stage, where during the actual concert, fans who auditioned, like they all had like numbers pinned to their shirts. The winners of the dream stage can actually participate on the stage itself. You know, it really is aptly called the dream stage because these people's dreams are coming true of getting to perform with their idols. It's a very interesting dynamic, not just a artist speaking with their fans, but for the fans to interact. I think that's really what KCON is about, bringing 
groups to their fans and allowing for that interactivity, which is such a big part of why K-pop is so huge. I want to go where the screaming people are. Let's go over there. If you were an idol, what would your dream job be? So we're at this Q&A that is full of a K-pop girl group. Super cute. It's in Korean and English. In three, two, one. All right, we got to take a quick break, but we'll be back in just a bit to talk about the impact of Korean culture in LA. You guys ready for the next question? All right. The LAS Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism. One lucky grand prize winner will get to choose a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Other prizes include an electric bike from Juice Bikes and $1,000 gas gift cards. Your donation of $60 gets you one entry to win. And the more you give, the more entries you get. Donate now at LAS.com slash sweeps. Start your Saturday with something that will grow your kiddos' brains and get their creative juices flowing. Join us at LAS for a morning of multilingual story times, interactive performances, art making, and lots of kid fun. Bring the whole fam and join us for a super fun Saturday at LAS in Pasadena on June 1st. Tickets at las.com slash events. See you there. And we're back, talking with Vivian Yoon about KCON. All right, Vivian, I want to talk to you about the effects of K-pop on the rest of L.A. We just saw people dressed up like their favorite idols, hordes of people doing meet and greets with translators. And like we said, it's such a diverse crowd here. What's kind of like all the impact of all this? I think Hallyu or, you know, the Korean wave, the rise of Korean entertainment, culture, food, beauty, everything... I think it's had a huge impact on Los Angeles because this is also home to the entertainment industry here in the U.S. Like Hollywood is in Los Angeles. And I was actually supposed to moderate a panel later with CAPE, the Coalition of Asian Pacifics in Entertainment. And we had some industry veterans like Adele Lim, the director of Joyride, Peter Son, the director of Elemental, Julia Kim, the casting director of Minari, and the upcoming show Expats. And we were really going to talk about this question of like, how has Hallyu impacted Hollywood? Because now all of a sudden, you know, we have so much Asian representation on and off screen that we just did not have before. And obviously things like Parasite and Minari and Squid Games and just the success of Korean cinema and TV, like, they have really changed the landscape of Hollywood, too. And I think for the Asian diaspora, like, for Asian Americans everywhere, Parasite winning Best Picture at the Oscars in 2020, that was a huge historic moment for us. And every single win, like, we we champion and treasure it and everything everywhere all at once. Like, it just feels like there's just so much momentum. And... It doesn't just translate to box office numbers or, you know, abstract success. But for a lot of Asian Americans, it means that we are being seen. And it really has an impact on that individual level where before when we kind of felt like maybe there is no place for us, either in Asia or in America, because we're sort of in that middle space. Now we are starting to really carve out that space for ourselves here. 
Koreatown LA is its own thing. Like it is so huge and you know, the best of the best in America and uh, to see the gathering of here. Yeah. So like we said earlier, Vivian's panel got canceled. Hi, I'm Brian. Hey Brian, nice to nice meet you. you. Nice to meet you. But we got to sit down with one of the panelists who made Pixar's movie Elemental. So incredible, we have Peter Son. We ran into you, it's so amazing to have you. Thanks for having me. This is my first time at KCON and it has been pretty mind-blowing. I'm so excited to talk to you because our panel today with Cape got canceled because of the storm. Um, but I definitely wanted to ask you so many questions about your film and your experience. Like, I think you said Elemental took seven years to make. Yes. You really started when BTS was like just starting to blow yes. up. Yes. But so much of your film is tied to Korean culture yeah. and the immigrant experience and all of that. Yes. And I was just wondering, what was it like working on this film for seven years, seeing the rise of Korean entertainment? Like, what was that like? Yeah, so there's so much to, there's a lot to, you loaded in there, uh, Vivian. Um, so, yeah, so seven years ago, I, when I first pitched the concept of what a fire fell in love with water, that was the concept I pitched to Disney. This concept of immigration, which is a major theme in the film, we went through three presidents through these seven years, you know, from Obama to Trump, you know, to Biden. The politics and what was going on shifted drastically. And there was a part of the filmmaking that was sort of like, do I chase those messages? Is this some sort of, am I preaching something? But it was never going to be so connected to my parents. As it started shifting and there was definitely more anti-Asian stuff going on, that's when my father died. And so my dad died and there was anti-Asian stuff and my mom was terrified of leaving her house. And so all of a sudden there was like this other burden of like, what the fuck is going on? You know, and so year three, one of our first reels, that film, that version was so dark. I can't tell you, like it was like, the world was so negative in this film. I remember showing it to the crews and everyone's all like, this is not a fun world, Pete. You know, and someone sat me down and was just like, is this the film that you wanted to? I'm like, no. And then... The last couple years, you know, seven years is a long time, my mom died. And so the film took this evolution where it wasn't, honestly, it wasn't personal in that way, but it started growing that way just because of life. It was trying to process all of that throughout the years as we're making the story to go, what's, what's the truth of all this, you know? And it just became simply like, just wanted to thank all of the people in our lives that have sacrificed something for us. That was as simple as that it became. Like all this other noise, just, you know, you just started pulling away and just trying to focus on that. Your film is so rooted in your experience with like your parents' immigration story yeah, yeah. to New York. As somebody from LA, yeah. Koreatown, yeah. that's also the story of so many Koreans yes. who live there. Yeah. And I think the emotion that comes out yeah. really captures kind of the struggle and the emotion that a lot of me and my friends felt yeah, growing up. Amazing. When you were working on the film, yeah. did you notice the changing attitudes towards Asians and Koreans while yeah. you were working on it? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm talking about like these personal things like it was just me. We had a whole crew that were all first gen, second generation, Koreans from Mexico, from everywhere. And they all connected to these concepts. And we had so many friends from LA Koreatown and like LA in general. And they were all sort of putting pieces of themselves in the film and uh, Vivian yeah I, I'm trying to I don't know if you can tell but like I'm getting emotional because you're getting emotional so now I'm just jibber jabbering trying to find my way out of the emotion 
so they don't cry, you know. I, I, I want to put a, a happy emotion on you Yeah, now. right on. Okay. So we're at KCON. Yeah. You said it's your first time here. Yes. We hear people cheering down the hall. <laughs> it's loud. We're in a conference room, but yeah. there's a lot of movement here. Yeah. How do you feel when you walk into a space like this? You maybe feel represented. You maybe see yeah. friends and family. Yeah, yeah. What's this moment like for you? Um, it's so funny because, like, my father was one of seven Korean grocers in Manhattan when he first got there in the late 60s, and so it was a small community. I went to Korea as a kid in the 80s. And at that time, it was like super poor. And then recently going back there, Korea, Seoul is huge. It's gotten so advanced and so explosive in its tech and its media. So when I came here, even just seeing the line around the block, I was like, wait, I know K-pop's crazy. Is this all just for K-pop? What is going on? And uh, then when I came through the doors, the media of it, really overwhelmed me of like, boy, when I was growing up, there was nothing like this. Nothing, you know, and Korea is a small country. And to feel an impact that Korea has done for the past decades coming to this, um, uh, it's a moment that I'm going to go tell my brother and tell my other family. was like, oh my God, I'm going to spread the word. When I was here last year, I spoke with a South Korean man who had spent time studying abroad in Scotland when he was younger. And he told me that when he was going to school, nobody knew where Korea was. He had to sort of explain, it's between China and Japan. And, and he got really emotional as he was telling me that seeing KCON now and seeing all of these different diverse people embracing his country and his culture, it was so beautiful. I love K-pop. I love being Korean. I love being Korean-American. I love being from Koreatown. I love that I've gone on this journey where I sort of went from being ashamed of that side of my identity and culture because I wanted to feel more American to this place where I can really embrace all these different things that don't just make me who I am, but make our neighborhood what it is and our city what it is and I'm just so proud to be a second generation Korean American person from Los Angeles and the music is really good so it's time to go the crowds are getting larger people are getting more rowdy and people are just way more excited so it's time for this 33 year old to leave If you like this episode and want to hear more like it, make sure you leave us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Oh, and by the way, if you didn't know, there's this cute Q&A widget on the Spotify app if you want to hit us up with questions. And one last thing, I want to remind you, every day is a good day to love LA. Catch y'all next time. This episode was produced by Evan Jacoby. Our other producers are Megan Botel, Annika Bushman, and Victoria Alejandro. Support for this podcast is made possible by Gordon and Donna Crawford, who believe that quality journalism makes Los Angeles a better place to live. Studios. Hi, I'm Tracy Thomas, host of One for the Books, and we are back for another round. 
this is clearly an NPR audience. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're so smart. What the hell? My guests this time are actor Vela Lavelle and author Amanda Montel, whose new book, The Age of Magical Overthinking, is out now. Join us on May 15th at the Crawford Family Forum for book talk, trivia, and hot takes. Tickets can be found at laist.com slash events.